Welcome to The Real Journey Show. On this podcast, you can expect guests of all backgrounds and professions to share a real journey they have experienced in this thing called life. From origin to current, the rocky ups and downs in the middle, and what is yet to come. The journeys of each guest will vary, but there is one thing that will remain constant. The listeners will be reminded that life experiences have a compelling way of connecting us, inspiring us, and empowering us to stay real. I am Tara Martin, your host of The Real Journey Show. Welcome back to The Real Journey Show. We are so excited that you decided to tune in today. We have a special guest on the show with me. He is one of my author brothers in the DBC Inc. family. I'm super excited to have him as a part of our family, but not only him, his message, his demeanor, his personality. It's just every bit what the world needs today in education. And so John Meehan, we are so excited to have you on The Real Journey Show. John is a teacher. He's an educator. He's a speaker. He's an author. Um, I'll let you tell a little bit about your book and what you do and who you are and where you're from. And I'll try not to spoil it for everyone. So John, take it away. Welcome to The Real Journey Show. Thank you, sir. Um, I am so overrated, but I really appreciate you taking some time with me today. Um, I, I don't know if I could live up to that billing. And I feel like everyone says that whenever they're on these things. Oh, you're, you're being so humble. When the truth is, we actually write our own bios, and then people just graciously read them. So we're all full of noise. Um, but I, yeah, I'm a teacher. I'm an author. I, uh, I work as an instructional coach and as a classroom teacher. So I'm in a really cool hybrid place. Uh, I'm a Catholic school educator, which is, I think, uh, unique in a lot of teacher authors. Sometimes when we talk about... Um, School teachers, we think about public school teachers. And I was a public school kid my whole life myself. I started my career in the public schools, um, but I, I made the switch to Catholic school maybe nine years ago. And um, my principal said to me one day, he's like, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to change the world. And uh, he's like, great, you want to be an instructional coach? And I said, that sounds amazing. And he walked down the hallway and I smiled and I then looked at my phone and I said, what is an instructional coach, Siri? Because <laughs> I just agreed to it. I had no idea. Uh, and then we went to the ASCD conference in Houston over uh, some grown-up beverages. We had some conversations about what we saw our lives looking like. And, uh, you know, flash forward, here we are. Uh, I'm, a, like I said, a working classroom teacher. And then I work in the building of about 100 teachers uh, doing all of our professional development, instructional coaching. Uh, I, I read, I write, I speak, I present. Um, I breathe in a lot of great PD stuff, and that's kind of what brought me into the the DBC, I guess, uh, radar or in the oeuvre. Um, and along the way, if you just gather enough stuff in your sponge, you just start squeezing it. And uh, I started squeezing it into blogs and uh, buckets, you know, uh, podcasts, Twitter. And um, about a year, maybe a year and a half ago, I met with David Shelley and I had this idea for a book. And uh, yeah, so I wrote a book called Adrenaline Rush, which is uh, like educational ed adrenaline. It's all about game-changing student engagement, inspired by theme parks, blood runs, and escape rooms, which is a fancy way of saying getting people excited to pay really good money to be scared out of their minds and to be excited to give you even more money to be even more scared. And so how do we get people comfortable with that, 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 that happy stress, that good stuff that comes from, you know, marathon races or Spartan races or, you know, escape rooms? It's panic-inducing, but, like, it's also pleasure-inducing. So how do we find that line between it? Um, and if my classrooms can feel like that, you know, Dave said in his book, um, those those ticket lessons, the ones that you can charge money for at the door, like your lesson every day is worth for your kids $12, $14, $17. Would they pay that for that lecture? Would they pay that for that Scantron exam? Or can you make those moments that really elevate and make the students feel there's something here that's special and it's fundamentally different because I showed up. This is my place. These are my people. Um, and I'm all in to give back in any way that I can. And you do such a stellar job of that. I'm always excited when I see new content that you're putting out there. First of all, Adrenaline Rush, if you don't have that book, you need to go get it. It's going to be linked in the show notes. Um, it's exciting. <laughs> it, it is. It's, it's how to make your room feel like a theme park, you know, mud run. Who doesn't want to feel that, you know, at some point in their life? Because it is thrilling and scary all at the same time. And why do kids keep coming back for that? Because it's fun and they yeah. want a challenge and that's what you provide for your students. So I'm super thrilled too, to hear that you are in moving into some, like you moved into some instructional coaching uh, roles. Yeah. Um, fun. 
That's no, where yeah. I spent like a big chunk of my educational time is in the instructional coaching role. And then later as an administrator of starting a coaching program for a district from the ground up. So I personally am super passionate about that role. I love it. I think done well, it's so, it's invaluable really for a district and for a school system to have someone well, like that. What I said to my admin team, you know, he says, we want to, I said, I want to change the world for real. Yeah. And then without ego, I mean, like, you know, I said, I'm a Catholic educator. I work in Catholic school. And I, I think it's going to sound like braggadocious here. Not, we're going to talk about some hard stuff. We're talking about some heavy stuff on the podcast and I'm all in for all of it there. Um, but true humility is recognizing not that you, that you suck and that you're shameful and the world like should look down on you and like you have no dignity. It's recognizing that you are a person of inherent dignity and you have both strength and weakness and to own your strength and say, look, I have things I'm really good at. That's not bragging. That's humility. It says in all humility, in all respect, I got this. So I told my boss, I said, I want to change the world. And he says, well, what does that look like? And I said, give me the ball. Let me run with it. And I'm going to make you look amazing. Like my job is to make you look really good. And if you want something done, ask a busy person because they're out there kind of hustling. They're out there grinding. You know, that was, that was what attracted me to, to, to reach out to Dave as the publishing company, because it was like, this guy doesn't stop. It's not just, oh, it kind of came by him easily. It's like, he's out there making it happen. And I was, I was very impressed by that, that very punk rock aesthetic of like, it's the DIY mentality, do it yourself. Like there isn't a bridge, so go build one. And then show everybody else, hey, here's the plans. Now you can walk across that bridge. Now you build something too, let's go. Um, and, I, and, I, and I said, that's my, my, my principle. I said, you know, we're not teaching content. I, I get to teach English, I love teaching English. But the big secret is I'm not teaching content, I'm teaching kids, I'm teaching people. And if I can figure out what makes people excited like you can hear it in my voice. My, I'm on fire for this stuff and it doesn't stop. So like, unlike a bricklayer who goes home and leaves the bricks at the job site, I'm carrying these bricks with me at all times. And I'm saying, I could steal that from that television show. I can get that from that thing I did on the weekend. Oh, there's ax throwing at this bar. Heck yeah, I'm in. Like, I want to find out ways to get people excited to try crazy, strange stuff. And that's not to the detriment of the learning. Quite on the contrary, it's there's something about here that captures my attention, my imagination, my curiosity. That curiosity inspires wonder, and that wonder inspires awe. And again, how could you not be excited to walk into a place where like, I have no idea what's about to happen, but it sounds like it's amazing. This has been so thoughtfully curated. It's been so intentionally designed. I'm in for it. No idea where we're going, but I'm in for the ride. I mean, I want to join your class right now. <laughs> this Let's go. Bishop O'Connell <laughs> High School, Arlington, Virginia, 6600 Little Falls Road. Yes. Uh, feel free to tell my principal. <laughs> I'm there. I'm there. Next time I'm in, in the area, I'm like, so I'm here you, for John's class, please. <laughs> I'm yes, a student. Please do. Please do. I, I'm, I'm in. We're, we're doing some social distancing, so we have to alphabetically put you in a cohort. But yes, come on by. <laughs> Sounds fantastic. I'm excited. I think that's what we need more in education. We just need, we need that zeal. We need that excitement. And I know right now we're in this weird, awkward place, this hybrid learning or remote learning or whatever it is that you're dealing with. And I, I know that sometimes creating this excitement is hard and it's more difficult not being face-to-face. -face. But if you check out, John has some stellar resources on his website where he's constantly talking about that. Like, how do we keep this going even though we're not face-to-face? -face? So do check out his website. John, go ahead and give that. We'll give it at the end as well, but just in case people stop listening right here, they shouldn't, cool. just in case. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, you guys are missing out. Like, uh, crazy. I, I understand you have things to do. Hey, okay, fine. Uh, uh, I'm adrenalinerush.com. So it's uh, adrenaline with like an E D like educational adrenaline rush.com. I have a bunch of templates, resources. And like I say, I I'm a big believer in the Gary Vaynerchuk model. That is, if you want to be a brand influencer, if you want to be a person in the space who has like thought leader capacity about you, you should give 200% of your content away for free before you ever ask for a nickel. And that's why I love podcasts like this. It's like, Hey, it's real talk. Okay, let's go. This is my mentality of how I design, how I curate, how I cultivate, how I innovate, how I iterate, how I scrap stuff, how it falls apart spectacularly. And I own that because I don't owe anyone anything. I'm saying, this is my process. This is who I am. This is my lived experience. Take it or leave it, iterate it, make it better. Um, I, 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 there's a Thomas Edison quote. He says, if I see further than other men, it's because I stand on the shoulders of giants. Like this is only possible because I had fantastic teachers and a PD network who believed in me and a principal who says, all right, here's the ball, run with it. Go to this conference, let's figure it out. Um, and that's very empowering to say, well, then I kind of owe it to the craft to do my best thing to leave it and say, 
I, I'll, I'll put up on Twitter all the time and say, I made a thing. I don't know what this thing's going to be yet. I just want to see, uh, tinker with it, play with it, put it in your classroom, tell me how it works. And then I'm on fire to see that people are taking it and running with it. Cause it's like, that's what I want. That's how we change the world. Exactly. And that's a coaching really, that's what, that's that instructional coaching mindset too. Like that's really what a coach does. You look at I mean, my Chiefs, I don't know if you're a Chiefs fan, but it's okay, I am. Um, I, I'm, I'm a Patriots fan. We're not talking. I can't believe we're having this conversation this week of all of them. But uh, We are, we Cowboys are. Fan. I will pray, I will pray for you. Is, I'm so sorry. The point is, I'm in. Go ahead, go ahead. The point is, a good coach is not out there to make himself look good. No, who does everybody talk about? They talk about Mahomes. They talk about all the players, right? Because that's what they do. But behind all those great players, there's a great coach that's pushing them forward and that's helping them to allow their talents to shine. So thank you for what you do. And thank you for giving other people the ball, passing the ball to other people and letting them run with it and make the shots too. So super cool. I've seen you do that online and I love it. So, you you know, John, on the show, we just had a fun conversation about education. We can always Mm -hmm. talk about that. That's always fun. But I love this show because it's mine. No, just kidding. Humbly, like, am I? I hope, you, I hope you have a sounder at the beginning and you just use this as the bl- bl- blurb. Like, I love the show because it's mine and it hits the music and it kicks in. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm so drop the mic. <laughs> um, no, I love this show though because it is all about being real, you know, being relatable, showing ourselves relatable, exposing a little vulnerability, approachable, and learning through life. We just talked a lot about learning through life as it pertains to being an educator. But I think that's just something that we should do like all the way through life. And as we are learning through life, there are real things that happen that aren't a part of our professional world. Um, Sometimes there's an event. Sometimes it's something that happened in our childhood. But there's always these journeys that come along and they seem like obstacles at the moment. But we learn from them afterward, in hindsight, that it was really just a journey that we traveled through that made us stronger and that made us the leader that we are today, the teacher that we are today, the human that we are today. So I'm curious if you have any real journeys that you would like to share with us, like what did John Meehan ever go through or has he ever had a real journey in his life that's kind of helped shape him into the person he is today? Never a bad day in my life, Tara. That's a true story. I'm, I'm, every, every day I wake up, I'm awesome. It's incredible. I mean, like everything you see on Twitter is 100% true and 100% the whole story. Literally not a bad day. I don't use the bathroom. I don't ever throw up. I've never had a meal that didn't sit well with me. Um, you know, you have to, I think, recognize that Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and, you know, all these social media channels are fantastic for so many reasons. They do have so much potential to really galvanize and 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 change the world in, in in positive ways and i'm going to stop using that phrase but i mean it like like the arab spring movement could not have been made possible without social media like there are a lot of good things that could happen from that but we've also seen like with the u.s elections for example like foreign agents having influence in a social media space not because anyone was maybe planning that when they designed the platform but the algorithms get so smart they just sort of like hyper curate and then you, all you hear is like this echo chamber of stuff and I think that that becomes a, a danger and a challenge because especially people look at me like, oh my, he's the guy who has it. He's got to figure it out. I'm like, I am so not there. I literally, before this call, and you know, I, I had this conversation before we went on air, like I deal with mental health issues. I deal with anxiety and depression. Like, and I don't think you would know that by talking to me. Like I, I take a lot of solace and we'll get real. And I, I you know, I, if I get too emotional, like trigger warnings for those who are going to keep listening, like we're going to talk about some hard stuff. Um, and anxiety and depression for me is 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 kind of the beating heart behind it. Is uh, I'm good. I was raised in a very healthy family. My, my mom and dad love me. They're they're wonderful people. I still talk to both, both my brothers most days. Um, like you know, we might disagree about a few things, politics and professional football, professional wrestling every now and again. But like we're we're pretty much a, a normal American family, you know, as, as it could be. Um, working class, you know, like my mom was a teacher, my dad's a salesman. I had um, you know, all things considered, a, a really good life but nobody's immune from life. Life just happens to you. And sometimes because you've had a good life, you're not equipped to handle some of those harder things. Um, heartbreak, you know, loss, trauma, anxiety. Uh, and, and, and when you have those moments where you feel alone in a crowded room, 
and, and part of it is like, I, I'm real talk. I'm a smart guy. I think I'm a, a very bright guy. It sounds like I'm bragging, but like, I got the grades and the SAT scores to prove it. I, I got it. But like, when you feel like you're playing chess and everyone's playing checkers, you get an ego early. And then you feel like, I don't understand why these people can't catch up. How stupid could they be? And then you come to resent people and you can't serve people if you resent people. And I spent a lot of time as a, as a young man uh, in my, in my high school years into college, like I was an angry young man who was like very defiant, very, very distant, though I could make friends, was very sarcastic and very biting. Um, and I would always have the joke be on someone else. Um, because I was showing off how fast that my brain could work. Like, and I was scoring points off of other people, not because I didn't love them, but because I thought it was my love language. Like, oh, you know, I'm busting your hump. That means that we're friends. Um, not realizing that, and it's only years later, I come to see that, that like, that's a defense mechanism because I don't want to let people in. I'm really good at home games. I'm bad at away games where yeah. if I'm playing on a field, that's not mine, right? right. Um, and so if I can control the narrative, I can kind of hit my, my stride, my flow state, and then like, I'm on autopilot. I'm not even there. Uh, and I think for me, you know, those are some life traumas. Unfortunately, some relationship traumas that, that to me did, you know, life didn't pan out the way I thought it was going to at least once or twice. Um, you know, and that, that's just, that's how it went. Um, and like I said to you before we went on air, like some of those stories involve other people. So that's not the time for this conversation because there's two sides to all stories. Fine, fine, fine. But it's not what happens to you. It's how you deal with it. And for me, um, you can either, you know, fight, flight, freeze, or feign death. And I think I've done all of those. I threw myself in my work at a very, very high level. I mean, the book came out at some of the hardest part. Of my, I've, I've hosted a, a video this summer and like it, it got a lot of traction because I'm like, I'm practically in tears saying, hey, it's the one year anniversary of my, my video. And you guys would not know this from the curated version you see online, but like it has been personally the hardest year of my life making sense of everything that's spiraling both in the professional and the private sphere at the same time. And then trying to grapple with this idea of you are both a person, but you're also a quote brand and you want to push out new content and celebrate. And um, I was, prior, prior to our conversation today, I see a therapist. I've been in therapy for four years. Um, I, I'm in a really good place, I think, today. But that's today. Like, the other shoe could drop tomorrow. I mean, um, and I think I took a lot of credence in the, um, the quote about, um, it was shared around Robin, Robin Williams' passing. Um, the idea of the, the, the sad clown who, like, makes everyone else laugh. Um, and then the doctor sees this, you know, this guy at the doctor's office and says, um, what's the matter? He says, I'm sad. I just feel the world is so sad and it's, you know, it's all pointless and nothing matters. And he says, well, tell you what, there's this great cloud clown in town at Pagliacci. You should go see Pagliacci. He'll make you laugh tonight. And then the man just begins in full tears. He's like, what's the matter? He says, I'm Pagliacci. That's me. Like, I'm the guy who makes everybody else laugh. I'm the guy who's the life of the party. I'm the guy who's making a thing for everyone and going home and feeling dead inside, like feeling like nothing matters. And like, the biggest misconception about depression is, oh, he feels sad all the time. It's like, no, I feel nothing. I feel nothing on many days. And that's insane when you see the videos of me like, hey guys, adrenaline rush, look at how excited my kids are. I create my classroom to be an escape from those awful feelings of nothingness. Because for my kids, I can't imagine what it must be like to be 16 years old and having to go through those same feelings. And I don't ever want someone to have to go through what I've been going through in my life and like the last 10 years of, and like it manifests in your thirties. So I'm right on schedule for like the quarter life crisis, the midlife crisis. I mean, I'm not special. And like I said, there's no deep, dark secrets of, you know, I, I saw some awful things happen in my child. It's just not my story. Um, but like, that's why I do the work that I do. And that's why I do it to such an insane level because these kids get one shot at a space that's an escape from whatever their thing is. And for that moment, you can just breathe and let those noises disappear. And like, I mean, Tara, that, that, that's why you have to do it. Um, and that's why you owe it to the crap. You're not doing it to make money. Certainly not to make money. Um, you're, you're doing it because you want to make a difference. If you really do like want to, you know, make an impact and not because you have some sort of savior complex, but because you're like, my heart breaks for anybody who's going through it. So I don't want them to have to go through it for 43 minutes. And if I can give them that port in a storm, then they have a shot, you know? So, so, I love so many parts of that story, like even backing all the way up to the first part where you talked a little bit about um, what caused that, you know, the root cause of that's something you've learned, obviously, yeah. 
through going through the therapy, I, I also see a therapist once a month if I need her or not. I don't care. I see her. I love her. She helps me like make sense of life. And, um, and my story is a little different, but I love that you've shared that your, your home life was beautiful. Like it was, it was a normal family, quote unquote normal, right? What is that? But, but you had this feeling that, well, in your mind was working like an, a very fast mode. And we have students like that where they're just constantly thinking and wondering why everyone is not catching up. Why is, why aren't people understanding me? Like this makes perfect sense. And it's like so elaborate, so cool, so out there. And you're like, even as a teacher, you can't even really wrap, like for me, I can't wrap my brain around what they're talking about. But I think there are lots of people out there like that. And um, we learned that there are so many amazing people out there that can do different things, that have different strengths, that have different talents. And when we can provide for them, like you said, when you, you are constantly thinking, whatever it is that they need an escape from, for me, it was my home life. So you would have provided that for me. But whatever it is that they need that escape from, I want yeah. to be that for these kids. <laughs> and I think it's important to like, to, to, you know, kind of reframe some of this too, because it's, I get it. I'm a cis white male who's heterosexual. Like my life is good. This world literally was built for me. Also I'm middle-class and I'm college educated. Win. Through no fault of my own, I've already won the genetic lottery because the world was set up to slant in my favor. And I have to own and acknowledge that. So the wrong way to go about it was what I did when I was 16, 17, 19, 20 years old, which is, oh, I was born on the good side. So I owe everyone who has a little less than. So I worked, you know, in a bunch of places that really taught me humility and taught me empathy and a first like hand uh, side of things. But I think on some level, I was always patting myself on the back, like the good little Christian soldier who does the service work for these poor black and brown kids, or these people who have uh, intellectual or cognitive delays, or these volunteer opportunities in service learning or in uh, infirmed elderly. Like I did mission trips and I was this sort of white savior complex that I can come in and save all of, you know, the, the West Indies. And that's very myopic. Um, and and then you come back and do that sort of, oh, I'm so woke now. So like, oh, but they've showed me so much more than I can ever show them. Hashtag Jamaica in my heart. It's like, what you're doing is you're making it all about you again. See, stop doing that. Um, you know, I did work through high school and into college uh, with an organization called The Arc, which uh, formerly was the Association for Retarded Citizens. Um, like, it's a big part of my heart to like do work and service for people with intellectual and cognitive delay because myself, I'm dyslexic and I know learning looked different. And I was really frustrated that I couldn't understand why it wasn't built for me, the learning system. I, you know, I, I didn't understand that. And that frustration comes with, but it's like, I have to, and it's only later in life. It's only like I said, with really good therapy and some time and, and some skin knees and some broken hearts that I've, I've had the opportunity to say on the other side of it, it's not about how I can save other people. It's how I can redesign a system where no one needs saving. Um, working with students from all races, colors, creeds, ages, abilities, you know, co cognitive backgrounds, working with students who are on the spectrum, working with students who have different home lives than me. You know, we say to them, oh, but you'll need this quote in the real world. I said in the book, I'm like, I hate that phrase. You'll need this quote in the real world because they're dealing with all of that stuff that is their quote, real world before they walk into chapter four of The Great Gatsby. And you're like, the man's name on page 17 was, you'll need this for the real world. It's like, they just got their heart broke. They just found out their parents are splitting up. They're cutting. They're dealing with anorexia or bulimia. They just lost a friend to suicide. They have a mom who has cancer. They have a dad who lost his job. They're dealing with all of these things. They're questions of hopes and dreams, aspirations, their own faith, their own sexuality, their own identity, who they are as a person. And you're like, remember biochemistry. You're like, man, I'm so out because you never listened to me and what I'm really going through because classes weren't designed to do that. It's always an on the rails presentation. I guess that was a frustration in the education space for me is those teacher directed spaces. You know, that first time we hear that phrase, sage on the stage, guide on the side, is in a white paper that I think dates back to 1996. And that makes me so friggin' angry because I was a student in school still getting sage on the stage presentations. And now it's like 30 years removed from that. And I'm still seeing people who are like, well, how can I give some best direct instruction? I'm like, we're, we're a generation and a half past Sage on the Stage. Mm -hmm. So it's not about you. It never was. I happen to write a book and that's an amazing benefit to take conversations like this. But like, that's why I offer as much as I can open source, like do it, make awesome stuff with it. Like, let's iterate it. Let's make it better because 
you know, that it's not about me. There was, it was about you. I mean, like, love you dearly, love me dearly. But like, if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, the school would replace me. And these kids need a new English teacher. Mm -hmm. They need to know how to learn and love English. They need to learn how to love learning. I can help sort of, you know, light those fires, but it's not my job to stoke those fires through their whole lives. Um, and that, and that, that, that's a refiguring of, so who is the star of the show? And I think for me, that's, you know, maybe a lesson that, that's been hard learned, but it helped me be prepared for exactly the stuff I'm doing now, which is, hey, it's cool that you invite me to your school, but real quick, I'm going to not be here tomorrow. And what are you going to be able to do when I'm not here? Not because I am this great guru on high. It's like, I don't know, I'm just a guy. I'm making up as I go. Also, my therapist is earning her money every week. Um, so it. yeah, I don't know. But I love that you, I, I appreciate your humility and I do appreciate you talking about, you know, the world set up for us. Cause yeah, you're right. It is, it is set up for us as white humans, right? It just is like, that is a fact. It's not set up for all of the realness around us. You know, it's not set up for mental illness. I agree with that. Mental illness is still considered a stigma. Like people are so embarrassed of it. So a lot of times people are embarrassed to talk, to say they even go to a therapist. Yeah. It's not set up for inclusion. If it were, everyone would feel included in the classroom, in the society, in the world, in the restaurants, in the grocery stores. But it's not set up like that. And we are in a position to be able to work with our future and be able to provide these opportunities of inclusion in our classroom. And I think that's something that I feel like you kind of, you, you know, you do, but maybe you were just like, when I was younger, I, you know, needed to learn these lessons, but now you are very much applying that. You are making sure, like I said earlier, that everyone has an opportunity to escape whatever it is, the real yeah. world, <laughs> whatever it is that they're dealing with. And I think that's really important to note as educators, you know, and I love the story too. I'm taking it way back to your story about the clown. I think. I feel like educators do that a lot. We provide so much. I saw an image the other day. I reposted on on Facebook, I think, one on one of my social media platforms where the teacher was bent down providing assistance to a child. The child had one little arrow sticking in her back, but the teacher had like a thousand arrows sticking in her back. And you could just see the teacher just what is it that you need like compassionately com you know reaching out to the student with one arrow and she's taken all these ones and i i think of that clown and that is so true for a lot of people there are so many real things happening in their life that we don't know anything about and i think it's just vital that we realize that everybody is human you know we're not exempt from any of this and it's really important, yes, to remember who's the star of the show. Like, no, I don't want to put all the emphasis on me, not right. like all about me, but I do want to make sure that anybody that I work with, my colleagues, my students, my family, my friends, they know that I respect them as a human first. And then we're going to move into content. Right. Because and, and that's, that's where it begins. Because you're yeah. like, hey, it's because you're you. And what I can talk about is what you said about this idea of, feeling like you're taking all of these arrows from somebody else who they have different thresholds. They're a kid. They, they can handle one arrow. You're a big boy. You can handle a few more. Like, mm -hmm. and, and to them, just because you can survive it, like suck it up, buttercup for them, that one arrow, this is the first time they ever had to deal with any sort of, you know, loss or any sort of like, or they had to deal with systemic loss that you will never understand. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, like this, this, this powerful, just, upheaval of life at a very young age you know and i, I i'm going to say I, i'm going to get emotional but like i wasn't going to bring it up but like i got a text from a teacher yesterday um via twitter what you see on twitter is just the curated version of yeah. people who have real things to say actually reach out to you in a dm and that's my i'll call anybody out like I'm, shots fired i'm at mehan edu say a, a conversation with me let's hang out but like if you actually want to talk to me shoot me a dm and i will talk to you for hours don't do that thing where you're trying to score points with your people for 280 characters taking me nouns notches and all that nonsense because if you talk to me and if I listen to you, I promise we want the same thing, 100%. But I had a teacher reach out to me yesterday. yesterday. I'm John, I'm going to send you to maintain the student's privacy. I'm going to send a DM. Uh, I hope you can see it. I have a student who's on the spectrum who suffered a severe trauma of losing a twin brother in the second grade. He typically writes about how much he just hates school. I used one of your templates, your activities. It was a Fortnite-themed activity. And he was all in and he was invested. He smiled at me today and said it was fun. It was a huge win. 
because the anniversary of the death of his brother is approaching. For an hour today, he loves school. I'm grateful for you and how you share your work. Thanks. And like, that is why we do it. Not to save that kid, but to create a space where that kid's like, I don't need saving. In an hour, I can come here and feel like this is something that matters. And I'm never gonna meet that kid. I'm not sure the name of that teacher. They didn't want credit for it. They didn't score, score points. They didn't share it with me so that they could have it told that story. Like, nah, man, I'm a sad clown. I'm going through some stuff. Um, not okay. Some days it's, it's really hard. Some days the best thing I did is I made my bed. And like, that is a very low bar to set. <laughs> um, but like, to that kid, because I put a thing out there that someone else who was just as compassionate and just as caring and just as thoughtful and intentional is able to say, I could take this thing and I can lay on spin on it because they know the kids love Fortnite. Like, so listen to your damn kids, like do that. I, I want to, if, if I make no money in life, if that is the type of thing that I'm able to do, like this is worth, that, that is how we change the world. Yeah, it is. And it also goes back to your statement of making everyone feel like they're a part. And it's more about including, like making sure everyone feels valued. And that is really what should be our mission. If that means like you relate more to Fortnite than any than some little game I put together, then I'm going to tap into that. Um is just making sure that all the history is taught on these lessons. Like they were not partially teaching parts and pieces that have created the system that we have right now in our world. So making sure that everyone feels included is vital. And I think that's something that you're talking about. When we do that, we allow kids to be able to come into that space. It's a safe space. And it's also a place that they can escape from whatever it is that they might be dealing with. And they could have a perfect life, but still coming into a space where I'm excited to learn and excited to go through something, that's great. But it doesn't really matter what we see on the outside in our kids too. We never know what they're actually dealing with on the inside. I is fun. So this is some inside baseball author tea. Here we go. Uh, and I pitched to Dave Burgess. I said, I have an idea for a book. It has all of the energy of this and all the spirit of that and blah, 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 blah. What better name for this book? And that's my working title. It was going to be Escape Like a Pirate because the book was about escape rooms, but it was also about like creating a classroom that feels like an escape from all the craziness of every day, like outside of school. And um, that was our working title. And I was, we, we went through conversation about why that could or could not work and why it was similar to other things in the space, but also like escape has a very negative connotation. Like I need to run away from it, like escape the classroom. I'm like, oh yeah, that's true. Don't want to do that. Um, and, and I think Adrenaline Rush is, is the perfect for both me and my, my brand and my family. I've been very, very blessed to be able to um, say that. Plus it sounds way cooler. At party. Oh, I wrote a book called Adrenaline Rush. That's about, you know, getting excited. Oh, cool. Fine. Um, but that idea of creating a classroom that feels like for a moment, no matter what crazy you're going through, you chose to come to this crazy. And aren't you excited to turn the volume up to 20? Like Disney World is that like, the first thing you'll notice when you walk into the Disney theme park is just all of the motion, all of the everything that's in perpetual kinesthetics. Like there's a monorail and there's a Ferris wheel and there's a boat and there's a crowds and like fireworks and boom, boom, boom. It never stops moving. It, and so you can't help but say, I kind of want to go around the next corner and see where it's going to. Even though it's big and it's scary and it has its own series of rules and series of language and like, you know, codes, you become fascinated with this thing is just so darn big. Size of San Francisco. But you're like, there's more to see here than I could ever do in a day. We should probably come back tomorrow. Like, I want that in my classroom. I want that sense of we're just we're just scraping, scraping the surface here because that is selfishly what gets kids to give a hoot about English class. And then long after me hands gone, like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What if it doesn't mean what it says? What if it means what it means? And it's like, uh huh, yep. Now push, now go. Um, and so yeah. I, and it, it, it does something, it breaks my heart when people do that fly-by-night where they're not interested in authentic dialogue and they just sit there and trash you for it. Like, man, if you saw five minutes of my work, like I'm such a real one right now, it breaks my heart that you are so far out of the circle and that's what you choose to, to believe in your life. But like, you know, we'll part as friends. I, I don't have the time to, and yet my anxiety, my depression says, but if they would just talk to me a little bit longer, perhaps they would love me. And now I go back to my sad clown space. I'm like, oh, all of the feels. So, um, like I said, it, it, I, I don't pretend like I'm always on the up end of the seesaw. Today's a good one, but um, you know, meet me on an odd Tuesday. We'll see. I think too often people judge, prejudge people. It's just, it's just human, really, yeah. to look at people and just be like, 
I know a lot of times people have told me, just from examples, they'll say like, they think I have it all together. They also think that, that some people are super intimidated by me. I can't even understand that. I don't even understand that. I don't know why. But Which now makes you even more intimidating because you couldn't possibly understand how a human would be understood. I, I get it. <laughs> You're like, how are you intimidated by me? Like, I like why? <laughs> I'm not a big bear. I swear. I, I'm, but, I'm five foot seven with a bald head and a crooked teeth. Uh, so you're you like, know. come on! I'm just a real girl. <laughs> I'm a real girl. Um, but I think that's it, it's just society. That's kind of what society kind of sets sets up. And that's what our kids see. That's what our people see. That's what everybody sees. This is why the show to me is so important just to hear like the realness of people, like what it is that they're thinking. And we do go through those phases. Like when people are super hateful to me, like on social media, I know you've dealt with this too. Um, it's like, you want to over explain like for real, I'm just a, I'm a good person. I want to hear what you have to say. And maybe there are some things I can adjust on my end, you know, like right. let's, let's collaborate. Let's talk about this. Um, but a lot of times people aren't interested in that and they really aren't interested in learning more about you and learning your real story, but that should never, ever be named of educators. Honestly, if we are doing our job and we, I'm talking about doing our job educating yep. our future we mm -hmm. must be concerned about the whole person like yep. not just our content it's everything about it and i i know that you stand for that but just people that are listening to the show I think it's it's all about being real and that is one thing that we don't need a program for we don't need um a curriculum for all we need is that beating heart in the middle of our chest to be relatable, expose a little vulnerability, let them in on some of you, a little bit about you, yeah. and let them share about them and be approachable. Don't be the teacher everybody's scared of. And then always show yourself learning through life. I love being able to share with my students, um, especially when I was in the classroom, of lessons I was learning and things I was trying. And they were like, how's the blog coming? You know, how's right. this coming? Why? Right. And they're your biggest because, fans too, because they like they know that like you're telling them as it's a work in progress. So they yeah. kind of want to see, hey, what about that thing? Where? So I've um, been following I, your YouTube channel. I'm like, oh, right, right. right. <laughs> oh, oh, you and my mom. That's too great, you know. But like, but it's, it's so true. And like, it's not just on social. I want to, I want to, you know, you know, talk about that too. Like in the building, because maybe some people who are listening may not have 10 million Twitter followers, but it feels very real when you're in the hallway and there's Miss Jones down the hall or Mr. Smith down the hall who looks at you like, huh. Well, the kids like his class because he's nice to them. He's he's a pushover. He's a pansy or he's a, a doormat. And I thought it was great in Dave's book and in Quinn Rollins' book. He's like, you know how much pressure there is to be the fun teacher? Because you have to be the person every day who, no matter what you're going through, like brings that A game where this one knocks it out of the park. And, you know, I've had teachers, and I won't say in what building, um, so as not to disparage any of you I may have worked with in the past. Um, but buy me some drinks and we'll have some conversations. I live in DC, we can hang out. Like who have said in no uncertain terms, well, we don't play games in this class as if that makes them better than me. I'm like, yeah. And you know what? My kids do play games and my gaming with them makes me vulnerable with them because we're both players together. We got rid of that stage on the stage thing a long time ago and they all jump through hoops of fire for me because they know I'm a real one who's there with them ride or die. So yeah, don't play games. That's fine. Have them hate your class. Have them hate those essays. And then wonder, you can go kick rocks with flip-flops because I'm killing it. And I've, I've got kids who are so excited to come back tomorrow. And like, you can't ever say that. I think it, I think it really hardcore sometimes. <laughs> but like, you know, like, I think, I think so much of that derision, so much of that reaction, that societal piece of it comes from fear, which is I could not possibly do that thing, that Fortnite thing, because I don't understand Fortnite. I don't have the time or the inclination or the effort to give to that thing called Fortnite. I'm like, I played it twice. I just let the kids talk about it. And I'm like, it has nothing to do with Fortnite. It has everything to do with the feelings behind why they feel empowered. They're getting beat in our video games, 80% failure rate when they go home and play a video game. Four out of five times, they're going to die and be happy about it and plunk those quarters in because they were designed in arcades long ago to steal our money. So our escape rooms, our mud runs, our, our, our theme parks are designed to get you hooked on that feeling of, oh, that was so hard. I want to do it again. Yet in math class, they get one question wrong. They throw their hands up like, screw it. I'm not a math kid. How is that same kid going home and playing hours of Minecraft or Apex or you know, League of Legends, yet they get one 
algebra thing wrong. And it's like, this wasn't built for me. We just have to listen. And I, I, so it happens on a building level too. And I'm saying like, no one needs my permission. Like, but give yourself permission. Like, Hey, you know what? I'm sorry that you and I have a different education philosophy. You're not my boss. Bye deuces, because I'm going to have kids walking out of this place on fire for it. And, and once you do that, once you see that, like it's, it's a never ending, like, you know, it's, it's Disney. He says about the Disney parks. He says, he, he says that the Disneyland park will never be finished. It'll be a place where we're always designing new things and always adding to it because it's not enough to come back to what we did. It's that spirit that brought us here in the first place makes us return again and again and again. And that's why people fall in love with why they get the Disney tattoos. It's why they make their, you know, their stickers on their car. It says, this is my happy place. There's something about that. that's truly magical. Um, and that's, I want to shut up now and I want to get back to teaching. <laughs> no, you're awesome. No, that's perfect. I I think you basically in a nutshell have just said, you know, people, the dabblers, for anybody who's listened to my story before, which most of our listeners have heard me talk about Cannonball story. There's always the dabblers. Those are the beautiful girls sitting on the side of the pool. Their makeup's perfect. Everything looks perfect on the outside, but they're right. not wet and they're not jumping. And one of the things that they do really well is criticize all the jumpers and tell them how terrible their splash was and that cannonball wasn't really worth it. Why did you even do that? Like you did barely even made ripples in the water. And so there's always going to be dabblers that are going to criticize what you do. But I, I think it's vital, especially in this time right now that we're in, and this is in all areas of life, not just in education, but in, in the world and in, in life, personally and professionally. We have to keep our focus on like, what are the things that we can control? Because their opinion of us is out of our control. And it's so hard not to take that personally. You were just talking very vulnerably about how I want to over-explain to them. I want to say like, listen to me. Like if you do this, your kids are going to love your class. But the truth is people have to come to that on their own. And they really do. And it's out of our control. But what we can control is what we do. We can also control the coping strategies that we put in place to be able to do what we do. So yes, I battle with trauma, you know, childhood trauma, like creeps up into my life as an adult. I have coping strategies. I deal with sensory processing disorder. I have coping strategies. I have things that I put in place to make sure that I can do the things I need to do for the people. And those are within my control. That's stuff that I can control. What other people say, think, the haters, the ones I was talking about earlier that are intimidated by me, the what they think, I can't control. But I can just continue to live my life and I can continue to create curiosity and excitement for the people that I serve and get them motivated to do great things and change the world. I can do that. And so I'm just going to continue to do that. And I love that you were just so completely vulnerable on the show, honestly, John. You not only shared how you, the, 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 what you want to create for students, but you also shared that, you know what, I don't always have it all together. What you see on Twitter is not necessarily everything. It's not the whole picture, but I will say that Twitter has brought me a lot of really awesome connections. I feel like a lot of my close friends are from Twitter and they have become a very real in my life. You know, not all of them, but if you're not connected and you're listening, that is a great way to surround yourself with people of like mind. But it is important for us to think about, you're not getting the whole story. Like mm -hmm. what you're seeing, the good stuff that they're sharing is quality content. Yes. But keep in mind, they're real humans behind all that. So when you see so many great things, when I first joined Twitter, I was like, Oh my God, like there's no way I can ever compete with all these educators. There's so many of this, so much great stuff, but that's not what it's all about. Everything is in a competition. It's like put out your good content, but also know there's real people. They're real people. They're really yep. John and Tara, and they're really struggling with other things too. <laughs> I, I think I think of Twitter as, as the world's largest online dating site where everyone's trying to put out their best version of themselves with yep. that nice picture. And it's like, you just want to have somebody to talk to for the day. In this case, I want to talk about education, not about like, hey, what's your sign? Let's walk on the beach. But we, we are doing a curated self. Remember that. But also remember, you get faster by running with people who are faster than you. Yeah. You fly higher when you soar with the eagles, you know? And it's like steel sharpens steel. So for me, leaning in on Twitter conversations and being a part of it and say, okay, this is the faculty lounge I always would have wanted. 
versus the one that I was born into where I just walked through and then people are grousing and complaining about the kids. I hate that. I hate that so much because it normalizes that toxicity. It's like, I want to treat my teaching like pancakes. I'm going to make a lot of mess here, but I'm going to keep squirting that thing in. And eventually I'm going to have good looking pancakes through this process. It's going to take time. Mess is part of it. And I'm okay with the fact that the first couple of them are ugly and maybe I wouldn't want to eat them um, because that's, we're here for the long haul. We're here for the working together. We're here for the collaborating. Um, so yeah, but I mean, like if you guys don't have anyone else to talk to on Twitter at Nihan EDU, and then like for real message me, shoot me a DM and actually have an actual real conversation with me. Not like a 240 characters virtual signal. Oh, I love your podcast. Thumbs up. Great book. I'll talk to you gladly. Please enjoy the book 100%. But like, don't feel that you have to be performative, like be authentic. Um, yeah. your kids see it more than ever today's kids see it they can they have a keen bs detector mm-hmm. and and if you give them real you they will respond with incredible effort unlike things that like they've done for so many other teachers because it's all performative and i think that's so so important in the classroom i think so too i mean that's what that's my heart right there being real with kids and allowing them to do empowering really empowering them to do it you know telling them like you are allowed to be real in this classroom. Like this is a part of what we do. And yeah, relationships go such a long way. It's not separate. It's not being real and then teaching really engaging content. It's all of it mixed together. It's not separate. It doesn't need a special program. Like I said earlier, it's just all encompassing. It should happen simultaneously and learning and achievement is going to go up. When it happens simultaneously, that's just inevitable. That's what will happen. And I'm sure you've seen that. Because (laughs) someone told me early in my education, they said, um, you know, your favorite class is the one that you like the most, your best class, the one that you learn the most. I want my class to be both of those things every day for every kid. It should be, be, and it can be. And it's not like, you know, I can do these things. I do do these things because I show up for that kid. And I say, today's fundamentally different because you showed up, man, whatever you're going through that you took 43 minutes and you showed up for me. I appreciate you. I hold you in high esteem. Like, not to be weird, but lowercase l, I love you for the work that you're doing. And I love the work that you, and the person that you are, exactly how God made you or whatever this world has put you together in that fabric and that body in this time. We only have 180 days together. Let's make the most of it. Yeah. Let's see what we can do. Well, I think that's a fantastic way to sum up this uh, awesome show. Ooh, let's go. <laughs> Done. And see. And <laughs> mic drop right there. But I do have one question for you, John, just right before we leave. Um, you talked a lot about what you've been doing, what you do, and how you're available for others to have conversations with you. Uh, you've shared your contact information multiple times. But I'm curious, do you have, like, what do you see in the future? Do you have any projects you're working on, anything cool that you want to share, or just something you're thinking about? And then it hasn't, maybe it's even half-baked, a half-baked idea. Uh, yeah, there's a half-baked is pretty much a story of my life. I've been to a lot of fish concerts. Uh, that's, that's a bad joke. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, the, the, uh, the, I'll, I'll quote Jay-Z, which is, which is my, one of my all-time life idols. Whenever I'm doing really well in life, I'll be like, hey, Alexa, play Jay-Z. But I can't say that too loud or my, my thing will actually hear me when I say really it. Well. Um, Cause yeah, right, right, right. Oh, hey Siri, play, uh, play Jay-Z. But the swagger, the, 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 the ethos of you got this now go get this. Um, you know, it's, it's Tom Brady. And I were talking about the Patriots earlier, but like, uh, you know, what's your favorite Super Bowl? The next one, like it's, it's Jay-Z onto the next one, onto the next one, onto the next one. Like, yep. If you want to see what I'm coming up with next is amazing. Can't tell you yet, but it's amazing. And there's a great David Bowie quote. He says, I have no idea where I'm going next, but I promise you it won't be boring. Like, if you stay tuned, I don't know when this episode drops. If you stay tuned, maybe by the time this drops, the next thing is my next thing. And I'm so on fire for it. Much of it I haven't even started yet, but I'm so in for like because it's 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 a perpetual motion machine and it's always iterating and it's always bigger and better. And like if I looked at myself three years ago, I couldn't imagine doing the stuff I'm doing today. Um, but if I looked at myself three years from now, I'm scared of what I'm not yet doing. So I'm excited to get started on this project. Like I said, I want to hang up so I can get onto that project. Um there's some really cool stuff in the pipeline that I am currently doing. I feel really good about. Um, and I would say stay tuned on Twitter because I, I do post up a lot of it and like sneak peeks and stuff like that. Uh, but I, that, that's where I feel comfortable leaving it right now. Cause I, I like having a secret and I can hear it in my voice. Um, but stay tuned. It. Stay tuned. It's a hook. It's a hook. It is. Um, I love it. 
And I often think of that. People always think, ask me who my hero is. I really don't have one. I don't have a person in my life that I just look up to the place that I want to be like them. I just, I've never had that. So when people always ask me, it seems like on these shows, they always say, who is your hero? And I always say it's me in five years or me in 10 years. I, I think that girl is going to be my hero because I'm always astounded at what I accomplish in a year even. So five years, like, yep, she's my hero. And I Let's think go. that's kind of how we should think, you know, we should always just be like, kind of like you said, kind of a little scared of the person <laughs> of uh, like, whoa, I don't even know what that looks like. But when I, I get there and I look back, I'm like, holy cow, how did that happen? <laughs> I, to make one more Disney quote, because it wouldn't be a good podcast without one more plug for the book. Uh, theme parks, mud runs, and escape room. Adrenaline rush, wherever books are sold. Um, <laughs> but the guy who designed the, the geodesic sphere of the Epcot globe, it looks like the golf ball. Um, his name is Buckminster Fuller. And he's a, he's a futurist and an architect and a designer. But that globe thing is just a, a wild feat of structural engineering. But he said of himself, he says, quote, I think I am a verb. And I love that because to be a verb means like, I don't know. I don't have a hero. Hero is a noun. I don't have one of those. I have heroing. And right now we're doing some pretty good hero stuff now, but it's always an active thing to go. So, um, and it's not because I'm trying to, to sell something to you. I don't know what I'm going to do next. It probably will be a free thing. It'll probably be eight free things, but stay tuned because it, it won't be boring. Exactly. I love it. And I love the idea of being a verb. I think I'm a verb too. <laughs> Good. Let's go. I think we're both verbs, John, if we're really honest. <laughs> I, 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 people will probably listen to this podcast at like half speed too, because we're going a little quick. So yeah, it's good. But, yeah. Please don't listen to this in four times speed. You won't be able to understand I, a thing. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're awesome. You're awesome. So John, thank you for joining the Real Journey Show. Thanks for everyone for listening in. Be sure and follow John. You heard his uh, contact information you know, his website, all of that will be available in our show notes as well, as well as his book, Adrenaline Rush. You do not want to miss out on reading that. Yes, there's a lot of great content on his website, but do check out the book. It's exciting. It's it's even more than what this cool conversation that we just had, because there's lots of content in there, lots of ways for you to take these ideas. And like he said earlier, make them your own. So thank you for joining the Real Journey Show. Remember next week, same place, same time. And we are looking forward to hearing your thoughts. So please do share them out on Twitter. Use the hashtag RealJourneyShow and tag us on social, all your social media platforms. Thank you so much for joining The Real Journey Show. We are excited you tuned in today and hope that you have left feeling inspired and empowered to stay real and share your real journey with others. Remember, real, it's all about being relatable, exposing a little vulnerability, approachable, and learning through life. You can connect with me on Twitter at TaraMartinEDU or visit my website, TaraMMartin.com. Please use the hashtag RealJourneyShow to share your thoughts of today's episode. Tune in next week, The Real Journey Show.